is up, dudes? Welcome back to the NBA Hoops at Lunch show. It's Monday, January 30th. Two more days here in the month. Um, and I got three plays here in the Monday eight game slate. Currently, my podcast record is 28-28-1. Our three-week winning streak was broken last week. Went 8-12-1. and one. Over Monday through Saturday, I actually did a Saturday special podcast here, which I'll talk about briefly. Um, But yeah, there's only two more days in the month, Um, 50% right now, but a little under uh, negative in the ROI column because, you know, the juice. So need to do some work here if I'm going to end up with a winning month. Um, And I feel good about, about the Monday slate. I feel good about my process and I'm excited to break down these games and hopefully I turn it on here um, as the season rolls into February we get closer to the NBA trade deadline the all-star break and um, I know I did really well last year around this time so hoping for the same success Um, let's talk about the Saturday uh, performance though which was a little bit of a dud I mean I went two and two in podcast plays uh, be sure to follow me at Jeffrey, G-E-O-F-F-E-R-Y underscore Clark on Twitter. Because um, every now and then I'll post live plays or, or plays um, for games right before they tip off that maybe I didn't either get to for whatever reason or there's some injury analysis or injury news that pushes me towards one side or the other or I just have a vibe about a certain team. Uh, because I was able to hit a live bet yesterday at plus 175. I took the Grizzlies when they were down by 16 to the Pacers. They ended up coming back, and I think covering the pregame um, spread. And I also bet the Timberwolves the other night to beat the Kings at home. Um, I didn't give out either anywhere besides on my Twitter, so check that out. But Saturday was 2-2. Two and two. I bet the Knicks plus 100 on the money line at the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn won 122 to 115. I did get the better end of that number. Uh, Knicks closed as a minus 115 slight favorite, so 15 cents on the dollar. Pretty good there. Um, The Knicks had double the paint points, 68 to 34, but the difference in the game was Brooklyn hitting 12 more three-pointers. They hit 22 to New York's uh, 10 three-pointers. Brooklyn went 55% from behind the arc. So that's the reason why that lost, you know, and it's it's a make or miss league the NBA is. Um, generally, you can um, you can figure out who won the games just by looking at the, the three-point column and the box score. Next game, speaking of three-pointers that didn't go our way, um, I took a player prop in the Detroit Pistons-Houston Rockets game. I went over. Bojan Bogdanovich, 21.5 points, laid minus 120 for that one. Um, he finished with 18 points on 6-17 shooting, went 1-6 of six from the three-point line. Um, guy's, I think, roughly a 40% three-point shooter, so he should at least hit one more. Um, granted, that one of them put us over the number, so it was just a bad game by Bogdanovich, and uh, I'm not going to make any excuses about it. Bad read by me. I I am a little confused on how he wasn't able to score more points against the Houston Rockets defense. That's trash. I don't know. Maybe they game plan to stop him and make other people beat them. Not sure, but whatever. 
Um, I, I, I hit my next two bets, though, both betting L.A. basketball teams. I took the Clippers minus 110 on the money line. They visited the Atlanta Hawks. The Clippers won 120 to 113. Um, I actually got the worst of that number, though. I, I tend to tell you guys that, that closing line value can be a little phony or misleading. I mean, generally sharp bettors who usually bet at high volume want to get the better end of the number. That's typically what makes someone profitable in the long run. I just have noticed that I've gotten good closing line value on games and it doesn't necessarily improve my winning rate. But be that as it may, Clippers won this one 120-113. to They actually hit 12 more threes than Atlanta, 19-7. to uh, Kawhi was sensational, scored 32 points on 60% shooting. Didn't watch that game, um, but as I was following along in the game cast, I wasn't, I wasn't ever really worried about it. Um, I don't know if it was a wire-to-wire win, but Clippers are definitely on the right side. Next game that I bet was the Lakers plus 7.5. Um, Boston ended up beating the Lakers 125-121 to in overtime. The ending was absolute nonsense. LeBron clearly got fouled at the end of regulation. Um, he behaved like a fool afterwards. Probably should have gotten a T. Um, I think he got a T in the overtime, which is weird. I don't know why he didn't get one at the end of regulation, which would have ended the game as well. But LeBron got fouled in the, on, a, on a layup attempt at the end of regulation, which ended up pushing that game to overtime. Um, actually, I think it was it was Pat Beverly who got the technical. They didn't even give LeBron a technical for lying on the ground and, and whining. Um, they gave Pat Beverly a technical for going up to the official with a camera and showing him the missed foul. Absolutely egregious. Pat Bev is an, is a joke. Probably my least favorite NBA basketball player. This guy averages, I think, six points per game, and you'll often see him get technical fouls for the dumbest reasons, stuff like technical fouls from the bench. And I just, the lack of self-awareness out of that guy really pisses me off. Like, to be averaging six points per game and to be getting as many technicals as him, there, there's just no excuse for it. Um, I did sprinkle on the Lakers money line privately. I'm just honest with you guys. I thought I had a chance to get there. The Lakers were up double digits, I think, in the second half. And there were some questionable foul calls um, and that went against the Lakers, granted. But either way, it was a Lakers choke job. That being said, we we took seven and a half with the Lakers. I think it closed at seven and a half too. It got up to eight and a half. Um, if you remember me talking about Robert Williams possibly missing that game, I think he was taken off the injury report as I was recording, and that like led to some confusion on my part. And then he ended up missing the game um, based on. Kind of what I said. He he tweaked. I thought I thought he tweaked his back, but I think he tweaked his ankle in an alley oop attempt against the Knicks in the in Boston's previous game, and Boston decided to sit him, which to me was kind of obvious. So I got lost in the sauce as I was recording this podcast, and um, ended up getting a worse number that was available than what was available a little bit later. But again, I think it closed at the same number that I got it. Either way, Lakers plus seven and a half was a winner. I went two and two Saturday, um, trying to break or trying to, to, to get even on my losing week. I wasn't unable to do that again. I was eight, 12 and one last week. So very disappointing. 28, 20, 
28-28-1 entering the final two days of January. So let's get it back. Three games in the NBA slate that I'm betting here. The first one over 228.5 in the Pistons-Mavericks game. Let me make sure that's still the price. It is 229.5, excuse me. So we're going 229.5. I'm going to play it over 230 um, in the Pistons-Mavericks game. Mavericks all-star Luka Doncic is listed as questionable with a sprained ankle. I would assume, based on the line movement, there's positive news regarding his injury. But regardless of his presence, I still like it to go over the number. Um, Dallas's pace and transition rate drops when Luka's on the floor. So when he's off the floor, maybe there's going to be uh, quicker possessions for Dallas, more transition offense, more fast-break offense. Dallas with Luka is obviously considerably better, especially in terms of getting to the foul line. Luka Doncic is one of the best, um, one of the best offensive players to draw on fouls and get into the charity stripe. So, if if Luka plays, that helps Dallas's offensive ceiling or, or raises Dallas's offensive ceiling. But if he doesn't, Detroit's defense is bad enough to that even a uh, Dallas team without Luka can, can put up 120 plus points against them. That, I mean, Detroit's defense is currently, excuse me, bear with me. They are 29th in defensive rating. Dallas, not good either. They're 24th in defensive rating. They were awesome defensively last year, but have taken an epic step back, um, which obviously is a good part of the, the handicap here is the fact that regardless if Luka plays, both defenses are terrible. I do think it is a good buy low spot for Dallas's uh for Dallas given the matchup. They are one and four to the under in the last five, but again, Detroit's defense is terrible. And Dallas is sixteen and seven to the over as a home favorite. They got a plus three point eight total margin in those games. Again, Dallas is first in offensive free throw rate, but quietly, Detroit is second in offensive free throw attempt rate. Dallas is 30th in defensive free throw attempt rate, and Detroit is 27th in defensive attempt uh, free throw attempt rate. So both teams like to get can get to the line often, and both teams send opponents to the foul line pretty often. The officiating crew for Detroit Dallas or the, the lead official in the officiating crew for Detroit Dallas, Curtis Blair, is 21 and 12 to the over this season. So maybe we get more calls um, in this game because Curtis Blair is the head official of uh, tonight's Detroit Pistons Mavericks game. Also, both teams are top 10 and offensive three wide open three point attempt rate. Um, Dallas is actually has the highest three-point attempt rate in the league. So both get a, a lot of good looks. Uh, I want to say Detroit's pace helps them get good looks. And for Dallas, the focus of the opponent on Luka Doncic provides open looks for all the other role players. Uh, given both teams are bad on defense, both teams chuck, uh, get a bunch of wide-open threes, each team gets the foul line a lot, and they send opponents to the foul line a lot. I'm going over. 229.5 in the Pistons-Mavericks game, which tips off 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. The next bet that I have here is a 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tip-off between the Toronto Raptors at the Phoenix Suns, and I'm going under 221 in the Raptors 
Suns game. I would play it down to 220, in fact. So there's still some margin there depending on when you um, listen to this podcast. Hopefully, um, you can still get the 221. But and 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 I might be chasing some steam on this one. This is this is I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my concern for this handicap up top, but then I'm gonna explain it or validate my pick with you know following analysis. But Toronto Phoenix opened at 225 and a half per teamrankings.com, and so it's been steamed down. What is that? Four and a half points. So we are getting late to the party here on the under. Um, 221, but the pros are still on the under, whereas the average better or the, excuse me, average Joe is betting the over. This is according to, um, this is according to VEASAN, which is, um, reporting that draft, excuse me, this is according to DraftKings, which is reporting via VEASAN that, um, more money is on the under in this game, whereas more of the bets, close to 80% of the bets, are on the over. Typically, when the cash column is fading the tickets or bets place column, you want to follow the cash column because professional bettors bet a lot more money than your average Joe, right? It makes sense. I've said it a million times. So if you're familiar with this podcast, you're familiar with my handicapping style, you've heard me say that a million times. Um, styles make fights as well, and... The style between the Raptors and, and Suns tells me, screams to me, that this is uh, going to be a lower scoring affair. Phoenix is 22nd in pace. Toronto is 27th in pace. Both protect the ball really well. Um, Toronto is first in offensive turnover rate. I think Phoenix is 13th, but they spent most of their season or a lot of their season without Chris Paul. So when Chris Paul is in the lineup, Phoenix's offensive turnover rate drops significantly. Both teams actually aren't good at shooting. Um, Phoenix is 22nd in true shooting rate, which factors in three-point field goal and foul shooting. Toronto is 28th. Also, two of the three referees assigned to this game have officiated more unders. Um, So we have a a positive officiating um, situation, at least for our under bet. Toronto-Phoenix have gone under the total in three of the last four meetings, and those four meetings have an average total margin of minus 11.4. Phoenix also probably can't exploit Toronto's thin backcourt um, since they're even thinner currently. Toronto will be missing OG Ananobi, who his... His absence does slightly hurt their defense, which isn't great, but Phoenix is still without Devin Booker, who's got a plus 13.3 adjusted on-off offensive rating. They're still missing backup point guard Cameron Payne, backup shooting guard Landry Shamit. So uh, the weakness of Toronto, I would say, is in their backcourt where they're pretty deep, whereas they're pretty deep at wing. But again, Phoenix, with their thin backcourt, aren't really going to be able to exploit that. So we're going to go under 221 in the Raptors Suns game. Then my final of the three bets that I'm placing here on Monday, January 30th is in the Atlanta Hawks at Portland Trailblazers game, which tips off at 10 o'clock Eastern standard time. And I'm going with the Portland Trailblazers who are currently minus 130 on the money line. So let's not fuss with the points. It's minus two right now, minus 110. It's only 20 cents on the dollar to not have to fuss the points. 
Um, and and um, I like Portland here because they usually respond or bounce back after blowout losses. They got destroyed by Toronto the other night, 123 to 105. Um, but they're seven and two against the spread in their last nine games following a double digit loss. Um, also, it helps that they're they're following a loss at home. So I like that. They don't want to get embarrassed in front of their home crowd twice in a row. Both have injury con- concerns, but I'd argue Atlanta's are, are uh, more concerning. Trey Young currently, hold on, let me make sure it's still the case. Currently, Trey Young is listed as questionable to play, um, whereas Portland's Jusev Nurkic, their starting center, is listed as questionable to play. Um, Trey Young actually has a plus 9.7 non-garbage time on-off net rating, according to cleaningtheglass.com. So the Hawks score nearly 10 more points per 100 possessions when Trey Young's on the floor. Portland only scores like three points um, per 100 possessions and non-garbage time when Nurkic is on the floor. So if both players miss, obviously Trey Young's absence is much is a much bigger deal for Atlanta than Nurkic is for Portland. Um, and if anything, I would say no, no Nurkic could improve Portland's offense just because that puts the ball more in Dame Lillard, Anthony Simons, and Jeremy Grant's hands. And they're better offensive players, especially when you're considering how weak the defensive backcourt can be for, for Atlanta outside of DeJounte Murray, their backcourt consists of Bagdanovich and and Trey uh, Trey Young, neither one of which are good defensive players. So I think Dame Lillard um, is going to be able to ball up, ball out against um, Atlanta's backcourt. Regardless, he really plays well against Trey Young. Even if Trey Young does play in this game, I'm, I mean, obviously, I still like Portland. I wouldn't give it out otherwise. Dame Lillard is three and one. Straight up, um, all-time versus Trey Young. He's outscoring him by close to seven points per game. He's outshooting him from the field by 16% and from behind the arc by close to 25%. So, Dame Lillard really busts Trey Young's ass. And I, I, I think there's value in the Portland Trailblazers all the way up to um, minus, minus three and a half. Currently, the line is... Minus two Portland Trailblazers are favored. And the reason why I think that is, according to basketball references, SRS, Portland's 0.83 points better than Atlanta. Um, SRS blends in point per game differential and strength of schedule. And according to cleaningtheglass.com, which removes garbage time from its stat tracking, Portland is plus 1.8 in adjusted net rating better than Atlanta. So let's just split the difference and say Portland's plus 1.3 net efficiency better than than Atlanta. Well, TeamRankings.com gives home court advantage um, a two-point boost. Uh, Depending on the situation, I would say that it could be more than 2.1, and I think this situation would lend itself to home court advantage being more than 2.1 because Atlanta is a terrible road team. So either way, playing it safe, 2.1 plus um, 1.3 would equal 3.4, obviously, right? So how I got there, again, 2.1 for home court advantage, 1.3 plus adjusted net efficiency equals the 3.4, 
And then again, I'm giving uh, giving it a slight bump up because Atlanta is a terrible road team. Portland is better in three of the four factors. They're a better rebounding team, better shooting team, and they're much better at getting to the free throw line and keeping opponents off the free throw line. Also, Portland's offense is a hell of a lot more efficient than Atlanta's, at least from a shot quality perspective. The Trailblazers have the best shot quality on offense in the league, according to cleaningtheglass.com. Excuse me. Portland's free throw... um, Field goal attempt rate at the rim is the third highest uh, rate in the NBA. Atlanta is 29th in shot quality on offense per cleaningtheglass.com. The bottom line is the Hawks, mostly with because of excuse me Trey Young and Dejounte Murray, take a lot of inefficient contested mid range long two point shots. Both of them. Portland and Atlanta like to run pick and roll action through the ball handlers, right? Like Dame Lillard runs a lot of pick and roll. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray run a lot of pick and roll. Well, Atlanta is subpar in pick and roll defense or offense, excuse me, through the ball handlers. I'll say they're definitely 18th or worse in pick and roll offensive efficiency. Portland has the second best pick and roll offensive efficiency in the league. So, Bottom line is I like Portland to be able to get a lot better looks today than the Atlanta Hawks, and if those looks go down, they should they should beat Atlanta by double digits, I'm thinking. So play it safe. We're going to go with the, the Portland Trailblazers, minus 130 on the money line, adding that to under 221 in the Raptors-Suns game, and then over 229.5 in the Pistons-Mavericks game. That's my three bets. For the NBA Hoops at Lunch show here on Monday, January 30th, show me some love on social media. Show me some love via positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Peace out, and hopefully this podcast will help make you some money.